Let's all worship the Lord as we sing together paraphrase 44. Behold the Savior on a cross, a spectacle of woe. See from his agonizing wounds the blood incessant flow. Reading together our psalm for today is the Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. God is known in her palaces for a refuge for lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and haste away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain, as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so 
is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. As we come to pray, we do remember those that are in particular need today. Little Savannah, who was so ill at the beginning of last week and taken to the royal, is actually out of hospital. This little girl comes to our Sunday school, so we're thankful for answered prayer. Sister Maureen Conley is in hospital. Remember her in prayer, and Derek McLaughlin, that we're praying for in these days with his sickness. And we've been remembering Matthew and Leanne Higgins and Matthew and Lauren from Balamina. These folks have been very much in our thoughts and prayers in the loss of their little ones. So we'll pray together, seek the Lord, call upon his name. Lord, in the stillness of this time of worship here in the house of God, we seek thee now earnestly in prayer. We come to call upon the great name of our God, the one of whom the psalm reminds us that he's a great God. Now we're to God far above all. We thank you that you bridged the infinite gulf that was between God and man because of sin in the person of Jesus Christ, our mediator. We thank you that he is the God-man and he is acquainted with all our ways. And as we assemble here, we can say in the words of the hymn writer that Jesus knows all about our sorrows and he will guide until the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. Lord, we think of the sorrows that have encompassed so many, these names that we've mentioned already. Some of them, Lord, are sick and laid aside. Some are mourning great loss in their homes and families. But we thank you that everything is known to the Lord. And as we approach thee now in prayer and we seek to commit these individuals into your hands and others that are passing through difficult times, we pray that the God who knows all things will intervene, that he will step into the situation and that he will use it for his glory, but alleviate also those that are suffering and may they know your touch this very hour. We thank you for the opportunity to worship God. And Lord, you've told us in your word that they that worship, they must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we pray for the preparation of the heart. We pray that you will rid our minds of those things that would call our attention away from the real business of being here in church today. Help us to be taken up by the Lord, to have a focus, to have a real purpose in being in the house of God today. And it is to exalt and magnify Christ our Redeemer. It is to sing and in our singing to worship the Almighty. It is to hear your word. And Lord, we've heard already from the Lord in the psalm. But later we come to our Bible study for today and we pray that you will come graciously near and speak to all that are in this church building. Lord, help us to sit up and, and pay attention and give ourselves to your word and to be as James talks about in the New Testament, the doers of the word, not just the hearers, we want to be obedient to the Lord. We know that true happiness and joy and peace and contentment is, is marked out by the way of obedience. And so give us a faithful heart, a heart that's true to the Lord and his ways. We pray that you'll abide with us today. We thank you for all that has gone before in Sunday school and in Bible class and we pray that you will bless that which has been spoken and use it for your glory and as gospel meetings are conducted tonight lord do visit us in the power of the gospel and send the holy spirit and change lives and transform families oh lord save the lost we do pray in jesus name and so come by lord and 
be one of our number now. And remember the situation in Israel. Thank you, Lord, that some of these hostages have been released, and we pray that that will continue successfully. And we pray that the war will come to an end. And we remember the land of Ukraine, sometimes off the news now because of what's happening in Israel, but we realize that there, there is much suffering. Remember your people especially, guard and protect them, put a hedge of your blood round about them. And Lord, we pray that you'll give them peace in their heart in the midst of the storm. Here, these are prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to sing a hymn of Challenge 680. He was not willing that any should perish. Jesus, enthroned in the glory above, saw our poor fallen world, pitied our sorrows, poured out his life for us, wonderful love. The, the tune really is a tune of lament. It's not a joyful tune when we're really singing our praises to magnify the Lord for what he's done. This is a mournful tune to challenge us about the situation of men and women around us that are lost in sin. And so may we feel the burden of the hymn and may we be given understanding by the Lord just to see that there in society there are thousands of people perishing without the Lord and there's no one to lift them from sin and despair. Let that not be said of our church about you and me. May God help us to be those that, that lift the fallen and tell them of Christ. Let's think of the words. <clears throat>
Can I bid you welcome in the Savior's precious name to God's house today as you come to worship with us at Hebron. Uh, some people have returned who have been away for a little while uh, due to illness and so forth. We're glad to have you back. And we have some visitors that are not normally with us, and I am assuming they are from the land of Ukraine. So if you're new, would you like to stand up? We want to welcome you to Hebron. Just you get the translation. So we welcome you and feel at home while, while you're with us today. Our gospel meeting is at 7 o'clock tonight, and I want to preach on the wise question of an old man. Remember us in prayer, and if you can make it at 6.30, we, we pray together in the church hall at that time. Refreshments will be served after tonight's meeting. That's light refreshments. Ladies, remember to bring what is needed. In the morning, the Hebron Tots will be at 10 o'clock. On Tuesday night, Youth Challenge is at 7 o'clock. And just remember us on Tuesday and Wednesday in the will of God, I hope to be in Maldivanoa visiting poor Roma families. There's a lot of things happening out there, a lot of needs, and we will be just assessing the situation. The pastor from Bazo is going to join me. Uh, he's never been there before, so we're going to visit these families with a few days of holiday left, and this is how we've decided to, to spend them. We'll be spending time with some of the pastors as well just to encourage them in the Lord. On Thursday night, it's our missionary meeting, and there's a deputation service at 8 o'clock for a vision for kids. Most of you will know uh, those who are the leaders in vision for kids. And they'll be speaking to the congregation on Thursday. Thinking of the school's ministry, in the will of God, we will be in Gary Duff on Friday morning, uh, taking their assembly. We'll look forward to that. And then Friday evening is the Youth Fellowship at 8 p.m., it's also the Presbytery in Ballygowan on Friday night. Saturday is the open air, right in the center of the town at 11 o'clock. And then our prayer meeting next Lord's Day, 8 o'clock. Sunday school at 10.30. And as Mervyn takes over for the new month, uh, songs for the season, hymns associated with Christ's birth, is the overall theme. And he will come to the first one, the angels, Alleluia. Worship service is at 12 noon. We will, by this stage, have special visitors with us from the land of Romania. Uh, Luci, his wife, his two children, and Graziella will be over, and they will be taking part next Sunday morning. They'll be singing here at the church. In the afternoon, and this is where we have the quick turnover for those that are going down to the memorial service for Dr. Bill Woods, in the martyrs at half past three next Sunday afternoon, the life and legacy of Dr. Bill Woods. If you need transport, and I haven't looked at the list recently, but make sure your name is on the list if you are intending to travel on the church transport. The gospel meeting is at seven, and Lucci and his family will be here again to minister in song. And then afterwards, we have some refreshments together. There'll be a little time of singing and fellowship with the, the family, the Bo and Geo family uh, as they linger on just for a little time. We'll just come into the church here and sing a few hymns together. Our Christmas dinner is on Wednesday the 20th of December. Just making mention of that again. And uh, for those from Ukraine, if you want to join us, you're more than welcome. The school's carol service is on Friday the 8th of December at 12 noon. And we have purchased those selection boxes. I want to thank those who have made contributions. It's covered quite a lot of the expense at this time because we want to give every child that comes to the carol service plus the youth challenge children and the Sunday school children uh, a little gift at this time of the year. Looking forward into January, we have our special annual missionary convention weekend. That will be from Friday the 12th to the Lord's Day the 14th of January, and thinking especially of those works that are very near to the hearts of our own congregation, because we have missionaries or others who are serving the Lord in these countries. There is a new book, 
the Son of the Living God. And these are notes from Dr. Kearns' sermons from many years ago when he preached through John's Gospel in this congregation. And the price is $6.95. And Mervyn can get you uh, a copy of that. We've got a good supply. All the proceeds will be going to the Christian school. Last Monday night, we had an election here for elders, and I want to congratulate our brother, Mr. Samuel Johnson, who is our youth leader and also our church secretary on being elected as a new elder to serve in this church. And we are behind him in prayer, and we wish him well. Please continue to remember the sick before the Lord uh, that are much in our hearts in these days. And remember the land of Ukraine and also the land of Israel in the midst of war. We come to bring our tithes and offerings now to the Lord. And as we do so, we're going to sing 526. I have only one life on this earth, and as vapor, it's passing away. I must labor for treasures of worth, ere toil ends at the close of the day. Only one life, just one, to give and to live for the glory of God. seated. I didn't notice until I was sent a text because they they like to hide in the back row. Gordon and Janice are here, always welcome. And Holly, Holly, good to see you because tomorrow is very special, I think. And Holly will be 21 tomorrow. And that's always a special day in a person's life. I'm looking forward to that day whenever it comes for me. Amen. We are coming to our meditations from the Gospel of Mark. And this is a study that we've been doing in the second Gospel. And we're coming to message 95, believe it or not. So we turn in the Word of God to Mark chapter 11. (coughs) Mark 11. Mark 11. 
and we're going to read just the opening seven verses. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door without, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why do ye, what do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. May the Lord bless his word as we have read it together. Let's have a word of prayer. Almighty God, we come to the scriptures of truth. We come to this time of sharing your word, a message we believe in our hearts from God. And so we do pray very especially for these closing minutes of our worship service that the Lord will come even closer to us and sit beside us and, and teach us by the power and ministry of the Spirit. We ask for help from on high. Lord, I come in my weakness, and I pray that you'll give me strength. I come, Lord, looking to thee alone for the anointing of the Spirit of God, that we might be able to speak as the prophets of old spoke, thus saith the Lord. And may we feel the burden and the challenge of what the Lord is going to say to us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking of the next message, and thinking of this particular a section in the history of Christ, my mind was drawn to the third verse. If any man say unto you, why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And it's really that little phrase that, that jumped out, the Lord hath need of him. And I want to make it that little bit personal to you that are sitting in the church today and say, the Lord hath need of you. I believe we've got the license to do that. I look down across the Hebron congregation today, this congregation that we love so dearly, and I observe the potential that is here. I see your faces. I detect so much ability that is among our congregation and I cry from my heart, the Lord hath need of you. I look at our young people. Thank God for a church that has many young people connected to it. And as I look at you young people, just wherever you are, scattered through the congregation, my heart goes out to you. Uh, and I want to say, the Lord hath need of you. And I look at you mothers, you businessmen, musicians, gifted people right across this church. And I say the same, the Lord hath need of you. At the Youth Fellowship two weeks ago, the young people came forward to practice. We were out here, as we always are, in the fellowship area, and I was sitting between the young people and the screen that they were going to sing from. And so they were coming forward to practice for some special meetings that are coming up in the church. And I said somewhat humorously, but there was a, a little bit of, of depth and meaning in what I said. I said to Samuel, this is a lovely response to a missionary call. And I just thought, you know, would not be wonderful as our young people all stood up and they came forward to be a choir to sing. Would not be lovely just to see them all standing up and coming forward to offer themselves for the Lord's work. In our reading, Jesus and his disciples come near the great city of Jerusalem where the Savior would be crucified. In the matter of days, the actual place is Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. The bitter 
cup of the cross is at hand. And Christ has now set his face, as the Bible says, as a flint to go to Jerusalem. He knew fully everything that lay before him. But first, the people must line the streets, assemble along the road in their multitudes, spread their clothing and their garments in the way, and hail him as the king coming to the city, as they did in verse 10. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. It is our Savior's triumphal ride into Jerusalem. He is applauded by the crowds. He is cheered by the people every step of the way. He is honored and magnified as the promised Messiah and King. He does not ride upon stately horses or in a royal chariot. Servants and soldiers do not run before or after him as other earthly kings. No, he comes riding on a colt, a donkey. Indeed, one upon whom never man sat. This was God's chosen instrument to carry his dear son, the Savior of the world, the Prince of Glory, if they had only known it, into the royal city of David. The colt was chosen simply because it pleased the Lord to choose this particular animal. Because the Lord had need of him. To be an important instrument in the hand of the Almighty to fulfill his will and purpose. Just a colt, which is a young male horse or donkey. And as I thought about this, I was greatly struck about God's ordained choice in, in putting his hands of deity upon such a lowly beast of burden. I thought to myself, are there not parallels and lessons to learn in this narrative? Is there not a very striking message here for, for all of you Christians as we consider Christian service and the Lord's work today? Can I not in some sense take this situation and press home to your heart a very powerful lesson as I say to this congregation today? The Lord hath need of you. If you use a donkey to fulfill his will and purpose, will he not use you and me as instruments in his hands today? So I want to, to challenge you personally, your heart and my heart also. I want you to hear not my voice, but the voice of the Almighty who is saying to you today powerfully and personally, the Lord hath need of you. I want you to think, first of all, about the simplicity of the instrument. A colt. The Lord deliberately chose a colt, a young donkey, not a stallion, not a horse, not a chariot pulled by stately horses, after all, was this not the king, the king of kings and the lord of lords coming to the city? He was being heralded as such. But the Savior so ordained to be so that he would come in humility and peaceably to Jerusalem, not as a conquering general, but as a suffering servant. And so he chooses this weak, insignificant cult to be his choice of transport to convey him to the city. Now, of course, the, the prophet had declared that it would be so because in the book of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, he had foretold that this would happen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Christ chose a colt. And I want you to mark it. 
Mark it carefully. A lowly beast of burden. Indeed, from the great councils of eternity, he decrees that this animal would carry him into Jerusalem. This weak, humble instrument. Now, what an honor it was for the donkey. We have to say that. Maybe we didn't realize it at the time. We don't know how donkeys process their thoughts. Maybe you do, but I don't. But anyhow, it was an honor for this donkey to carry the Christ of God. As I think of my subject, indeed of my text, the Lord hath need of him, the Lord hath need of you, I want you to learn that God can use you. There is no doubt that this message today is a call to your heart as you sit in church. There is a general call, of course, to, to all Christians to yield their lives to the Lord and His service, wherever that might be, especially in the local church. God wants you to live for Him. You know that if, if you're a child of His. You're to live for Him at home. You're to live for Him in your community, among your family. You're to live for Him, young people at school. If you've got employment where your job is, you're to live for His glory there and be a witness for Him there, and especially to be involved where you can in the local church because that's how God operates His work on earth. But there is a special call, and I want you to see that today, a special call to some individual or individuals in this service, maybe even among the youth that we thought about two weeks ago coming forward to sing, but maybe to you, young person, there's a call from the Lord today, and the Lord is saying to you personally and powerfully, the Lord hath need of you. I want you to be a minister. I want you to be a missionary. I want you to get involved in some special work, a special work just like the cult was involved in, to do something particular for the Lord. What a wonderful day this is, for it is a meeting time with the Savior. It's a personal encounter for you. don't know if you thought about that coming to church today, and as you took your place in the pew, that right now in the Word of God, you're having a personal encounter with the Lord Himself, because it is His Word. But maybe, maybe you object. The call goes out not so much from me, but from the Lord. The Lord wants you. He has need of you, but maybe you are objecting to that for a number of reasons. Some say no to the call of God, really, because they're worldly at heart. And sadly, and I know they profess to be Christians, they don't have much time for God and His service. They're a bit like Demas who once served the Lord with Paul, but forsook him because of his love that he had for the world. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world, was the lamentation of the great apostle as he spoke about this man that once stood with him in the gospel. And then some say no because there, there's a louder call in their ear. Ambition, employment, career, success, some hobby that you have. Maybe it's riches or, or family. Don't make excuses. When God calls you, don't make excuses why you shouldn't go if it is for some earthly reason. The Lord spoke about such in the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 14 in the parable of the Great Supper when he said a certain man made a great supper, be it many, and he sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. And you remember the three principal excuses that were used. The first said, I bought a piece of ground, I must needs go and see it. Have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, I go to prove them. Have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Josh is getting married soon. Maybe somebody else is getting married soon. Well, let's never say I've married a wife and I cannot come. 
That's just by the way. I didn't intend to say that, but there you go. Funny the things that come to you, isn't it? Whenever you're preaching. And you sometimes wonder, should you say them or not? And then you say them, and then you go home and say, I shouldn't have said them. But there, there you go, anyhow. Excuses! Because there's something else calling louder. And that's what was happening here in the very story that the Savior relates. But maybe somebody else is objecting to the call, and they are refusing to obey because they feel, genuinely, they feel so ill-equipped out of a true sense of humility. You feel unworthy. You feel unable, insufficient, like Moses. Moses in Exodus. We'll just take some of these examples, and if you'd like to turn to the passage, it's always good to see it with your eyes, but certainly listen to it with your ears. Moses in Exodus 3, verse 10 the Lord gives him this call, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Feeling unworthy, feeling inadequate. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And the Lord immediately silences his objection when he says, Certainly I will be with thee. And he goes on to give him a certain token. And then in Chapter 4, again, Moses, feeling inadequate, Moses says to the Lord, verse 10, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I can't, I can't put my words together right. I'm not a great speaker, is what he was saying. And the Lord said to him, Who hath made thy mouth, or man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thee, be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Feeling inadequate. Can't talk, can't preach, can't, can't do this, Lord. But the Lord says, Go, I'm calling you. Or like Solomon, I think we see it in, in his case in First Kings and the chapter 3, he felt so inadequate, didn't he? In verse 7, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. My servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. As he contemplated what was set before him, his father David has died, and as a young man, he's coming now as the successor to the throne, and he's feeling, I can't do it. And of course, when the Lord asked him for whatever his heart's desire was, he, he asked the Lord to equip him and to give him the wisdom and the discernment that he needed. But, but he's objecting, I'm just, I'm just so adequate. Or like Jeremiah, another Outstanding example of this in Jeremiah 1 verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me, says Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Here's the sovereign choice of God. Even before Jeremiah was thought of, or when he was there in the womb, even before that, God said, I knew thee, and I ordained thee. I have appointed you to be a prophet. The Lord hath need of you, Jeremiah. But Jeremiah objects, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. But a little child. And that's the objection that he makes. But again, the Lord says, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And the Lord silences his fears. I think we see the same in Gideon. And in Judges chapter 6 and verse 14, the Lord calls him, I have need of thee. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. But the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, 
and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Gideon felt, I can't do it, Lord. God's calling him, but I can't do it. Is that how you feel? God is calling you. The Lord is saying to you, this day, right now in the church, the Lord hath need of you. But you're saying, I can't do it. I'm ill-equipped. I'm just like a child. I can't even speak. I can never see myself standing in a pulpit or going to the mission field. If God calls you, he will equip you. As we know from the life of the great missionary, Bill Woods, the boy from Belfast with no education, and look at what God did in and through him because he felt his inadequacy. He felt he was not sufficient, but God took him up and made him the man that he became. Dear Christian, God chose a donkey. He can choose you. Jesus says, the Lord hath need of you. I am personally so thankful for the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which has sometimes been called God's toolbox, the, the instruments that God uses. And this is what we read in verse 27 and 28. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Throughout the history of the Bible, God was pleased to choose little things, weak things, insignificant things, to fulfill His purpose. A rod, a jawbone, five smooth stones, so David only needed one to kill the giant, a handful of meal and a little oil, a cloud the size of a man's hand, a mustard seed, five barley loaves, two small fish, and he can use you. The Lord hath need of you. Come to him with all your weakness, with all your inability, with all your faults and your shortcomings, come to him and he will use you. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, the soul winner, worked in his uncle's shoe shop in Boston whenever the Lord dealt with him and called him. And he started small, just he wanted to be a Sunday school teacher and they told him there wasn't any position for him. But they did say, if you can... If you can get your own Sunday school children together, then you can teach. And he went out and he got the biggest class of all. And his Sunday school ministry grew so much that he, he had to go and uh, get a large uh, room, a large building, actually, they went on to build just to bring the hundreds of children in. But he was just a young man that worked in a shoe shop, but God used him. And Gypsy Smith, when the Lord saved him and called him, he couldn't read or write but he became one of the greatest preachers that this world has ever known. And everywhere he went, souls were converted. They say that he never preached, but someone was brought to Christ in saving faith. Many of the disciples were just fishermen, unlearned and ignorant men as they were looked upon as. But God took them. You see the simplicity of the instrument. Secondly, there's the sovereignty in choosing the instrument. And we have it here. The Lord hath need. It's the Lord himself that has need of you. I want you to see this. Indeed, more than that, I want you to sense it in your heart. It's not merely the church has need of you. And we do need you. It's not just the mission field. And the mission field needs you. And Noring and other missionaries would say, come on over and help us, and we're so thankful that there are young men and families that are going in the very near future. It's not just the teeming multitudes of lost souls that are saying to you, we need you to bring us the message of the gospel. It's not just the minister from this pulpit that's calling you and saying to you, we need you. 
I've told you often enough, I'm just the instrument. I'm just the person in the hand of God to bring God's message to you. It, in a lesser sense, or in a lesser way, there are calls, even locally, in this congregation to you. The elders would call you. I know that. And they would say, young people, the Lord has need of you. Get involved. And I would call you. I would call you to a, a VBS or a short-term missionary service on the mission field. I know Wesley would call you to the Sunday school. And Andrew would call you to the youth challenge. And John would call you to the open air on a Saturday morning. And I know Julie would call you to Sunbeams because they need extra workers there. And Yvonne and the others on a Monday morning, they would call you to Hebron Tots. But we, we are just little millions in comparison to who is really calling you, searching through this meeting, speaking into your ear, just where you're sitting. I need you. It's the Christ of God. It's the King of Kings. It's the Prince of Glory, the coming Savior. It is your beloved above all other beloveds. It's Him that's speaking today. The Lord of need. This very moment, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is going to the cross. This is His triumphal ride into Jerusalem. In the matter of days, He would be crucified at Calvary. His blood would be poured forth in a sacrificial offering for sin. And the weight and the guilt and the punishment of our sin would be laid fully upon the dear Son of God. And He would now die, the just for the unjust, that we might be brought to God. Jesus would soon take your place at the cross. Am I not right in saying, in the shadow of Calvary, our blessed Savior speaks these words, the Lord hath need of you. Go away to Calvary. All right now, behold the dear Son of God. Behold the Savior on the cross, a spectacle of woe. See from his agonizing wounds, his blood incessant flow. Watch him die. Hear him cry and sigh on that cruel cross. Know the sacrifice for sin was for you and for me to bring pardon and peace, to bestow forgiveness, to deliver us from hell and open heaven. If you need any kind of encouragement, any kind of motivation to answer his call today, fly to the cross, flee to Calvary. For it's in the light of Golgotha's brow in the shadow of the eternal sufferings of Christ that Jesus, your Lord, your Master, your Savior, your Redeemer, your Beloved, and your Friend would say to you, Behold my hands and my side. Look at the wounds of the cross. The Lord hath need of you. He's calling. One final little thought, and with this I'll finish. We have the liberty of the instrument. You see what we read there in verse 2? Loose him and bring him. The colt was tied. It needed to be let loose, and I think there's a lesson here. Don't miss it. There's something in your life that needs to be untied before you can serve the Lord or to do His will the way that He desires. It's holding you, you see. It's holding you back from coming to the Lord so that you might be of use to Him. I wonder, are there ropes just like the ropes that were tying the colt? Are there ropes around your life today and they need to be untied to, to loose you, to set you free so that you go and do what God wants you to do? Some, some sin that needs to go in your life and you need to put that sin away before you can really serve the Lord. Some ambition and it's holding you back from doing the will of God. Some person. Well, some person can stand in the way, and that needs to be loosed. That needs to be severed before you can really go on with God. Some feeling, as we've thought about today, of inadequacy or inability, and it's just causing you to halt. But that needs to be put aside. Some 
prejudice in your heart. Jonah, I want you to go and preach to the great city of Nineveh. I want you to go and tell them the message of God. And what did he do? He went in the opposite direction. He went down to, to Joppa, and he, he boarded a ship that was going away from the will of God. Why? Because he had a prejudice in his heart against the Ninevites who were sworn enemies of Israel. I will not go and tell those people. And when he did, when God stepped into his life, and sometimes God has to step in with a storm to make us sit up and listen. And the storm will come if you're living in disobedience. But the storm came, made Jonah reconsider. And when he went in obedience to preach to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented, he wasn't happy that these people that were the enemies of Israel turned to the Lord. So it's an awful way to do God's work when you do it. And maybe the prejudices in your heart, they need to be dealt with. The Lord has need of you. He's in the business, you know, of untying donkeys. And he did it here. And maybe you just need to be loose today from whatever it is that's holding you back from doing God's will and serving God the way that he wants to. I pray that you'll get the liberty that the donkey got and you'll be set free and go and serve the Lord and do something for him. Why? Because the Lord has need of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge coming from the lips of Christ. We thank you that you have a purpose for all of our lives. There's the general things we know, but there is the special, the special call of God. And Lord, we do believe that there are some in this meeting, and they've heard that right now in this meeting. Oh Lord, loose them. Set them at liberty. Help them to give up whatever it is they need to give up to go and serve the Lord. Maybe there's a minister here, a missionary here. There's some other special task. You had a special task for the cult. Maybe there's something special that you want someone here to do. And they, they know, they know what God wants them to do, but they've been hesitant so far and disobedient, really. Oh God, we pray that they'll hear the call afresh. It's the Lord calling in the shadow of Calvary got to work for you. Go and do it. Loose them. Untie them. Give them liberty for Jesus' sake. Amen. <coughs> 532, go through with God. Thy vows to pay. Thy life upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to thee God's very best. Whatever your ambitions are above those ambitions, there's another voice and it's sounding clear. Have you heard that clear voice today? Tell us about it. If we can help you, we're here to help you. But don't keep it to yourself. Let us encourage you to, to do the will of God and to obey him.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is the very best for every Christian. Help us to go through with God our vows to pay and are all upon the altar lay. Bring young people and older people alike to the place where they say, Here am I, Lord. That they place everything on the altar of sacrifice, presenting their bodies to the Lord, and just simply declaring, Whatever it is, Lord, I'm prepared to do. And so as we hear your call today, that the Lord hath need of us, give us that ready response in our heart to obey the Lord in all things for Jesus' sake. Amen.